Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. If you make me cry, then what am I going to do? No, thank you so much. Y'all are the sweetest, best church. Right? I, get, I can say that. You're the best church. I so appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day to everyone today. Every mother, every um, like a mom, every, everyone who had to give one back. Happy Mother's Day to you as well. God is good and faithful to us in our mothering. And some of us have walked different paths. If you're an adoptive mom or any kind of mom, happy Mother's Day today. God has been with you through that, through that path. He blesses that. And thank goodness He does because mom, mom is hard work. Amen. But it is the best job in the world, in my opinion. And I had some really good kids. Really good kids. So thank God today for all his blessings. What happened? You're not my kid. <laughs> they had a really good dad. You get Father's Day in just a month, okay? Oh, goodness. Today, um, I want to share something that's been on my heart for a few months now. And I've shared it a couple other times, and if you've already heard it, then maybe the Lord will say something new this time. But um, this has been on my heart for a few months. Back in February, uh, Pastor and I and Megan went out to Redding, California to visit um, Bethel. Yes, Bethel is an amazing place. We love their music. And we had never really followed their ministries, but we had just started doing that. We'd started listening a lot to Bill Johnson, and we love him. And so we went out there for some, some various reasons. And something happened while we were there. Something happened in me, and something that I saw just began to churn a word in me that I felt it changed me. It helped me. It was a revelation to me. And the only battle that I've had about giving it is that it may just be simple to you. You may think, well, duh, I already knew that. But I've been in church my whole life. I've served the Lord my whole life. But yet this, this simple word changed things for me. It changed how I see myself and how I see Him. And so I hope that it will do that for you today. We're going to start in a very familiar passage of Scripture. If you are a church person, you know the story found in Luke um, chapter 10. In verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went. Now that was Jesus and his followers. As they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now I'll let you know right up front that when it says a certain woman in a certain village, this is not a parable. It really was a certain woman, and it really was a specific place. And this woman's name was Martha, and she received him into her house. Verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary, 
which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary was a good girl, wasn't she? She, um, she did the right thing. We all know this if we've been raised in church, but if you haven't, I want to make sure you understand that Mary and Martha were very different. Mary and Martha, um, they were both great women, but they chose a different way. They had different ways about them. Much, it's like that a lot of times when you are sisters or brothers. You know, you have the same root, but you're different. You have different personalities. And this is the way it was with Mary and Martha. So Martha goes out and she invites Jesus to come to their house for lunch or dinner. And she uh, begins to prepare for that. When Jesus gets there, Mary just goes and sits at his feet and listens to him talk. Now, we give uh, Martha a really hard time in the, in the church world because Martha ends up getting called out. Martha gets reprimanded by Jesus because in verse 40 it says that Martha was cumbered about with much serving. And she literally came to him, her guest, Jesus Christ, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to help me. She literally did it. Martha, oh my goodness, someday I'm pretty sure she looked back and was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. She went to Jesus and said, I'm doing all the work, and Mary's not doing anything. Well, I mean, I feel a little bit bad for her because what ended up happening is that Jesus said, uh, Martha, Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. I mean, can't you, doesn't it just make you cringe? He was like, Martha, 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 bless your little heart, you know? He said, you are careful and troubled about many things. One translation says that you're anxious about things. One translation says you're distracted, Martha, right? But Martha, we give her a hard time because Jesus called her out. And it was like, be more like Mary. Why can't you be more like Mary, Martha? Have, have you ever been the sibling that they say, can't you, why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like this? And so that's what happened to poor Martha. But I believe, as I read this story again, that Martha had a heart to honor Jesus. I believe that Martha thought she was honoring Jesus. I believe that Martha was trying to put Jesus at, in a place of honor that day in her life and in her home. Because when I go back up to verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha encountered him and received him into her house. You see, it was Martha who went out and ran into Jesus or sought him out. And it was Martha who said, Come to my house. And it was Martha who had a plan to make dinner or lunch for Jesus. And it was Martha who had a plan to set Jesus at a place of honor at the table. And so Martha, she had a heart to honor him. And she did 
some things. I mean, in her eyes, it may have seemed like she was the one honoring him, not Mary. When she went in there and said, Mary's not doing anything. I don't think she was expecting the response that she got when Jesus said, hey, Martha, Mary's actually chosen the good part. I think that Martha was very intent on honoring him that day. Verse 40 describes her efforts. says that she was cumbered about. It means that she was dragging all around and distracted and she was in excess. And so immediately, I just picture it. Martha's in the kitchen. She's doing all the work. She's fixing dinner. Nobody's helping. Anybody in here? All right. Nobody's helping. Pots and pans are clanging. Water's boiling. I mean, it's all going on in the kitchen. And Martha is doing it for Jesus. She's, she's wanting to serve him. The, the much serving phrase, it means that she was sore serving. I mean, she was, she was going to serve him. It was going to be perfect because she said so. Right, moms? So I believe Martha had set the table. I believe Martha had planned the menu. I believe Martha had polished the silver and gotten out the best china. Because Martha was very intent on serving Jesus. She was, she was in a flurry and she was serving him sorely, plenteous. And also, I don't believe Martha was making any bologna sandwiches for lunch that day. I think Martha was cooking her best dish. Anybody have a best dish? The one, you know, when your kids come home, they say, are you making that one? Those are usually our most involved dishes, right? They take the most time. And so I believe, I see Martha. You know how I see Martha? Because I'm Martha. So many times I've been Martha. I'm set out to serve him. I've set out to be that sold out person who's going to be here early and stay late. I'm going to be here every service. I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be, I'm going to put Jesus first. I'm going to put him first in my life. Have you ever been like that? I was raised like that. When I was younger, there was a term called sold out. And if you weren't sold out, you were out because Jesus deserved you to be sold out. I believe Martha was on fire and on time. And if we had been there, I believe we would have applauded Martha until Jesus said, uh-uh. Because we would have seen Martha doing so much and putting Jesus first and serving him so diligently. So how is it? How is it that Martha got on the wrong track? What happened? See, there was an issue with her effort. And it sounds so familiar and so similar to our own efforts and our own determination to put Jesus at the head and keep him first in our lives. The issue is that he is infinitely more worthy. He is infinitely more worthy than we are capable of reciprocating by our devotions. No matter our devotion, he's always more worthy. He's always worthy of more, um, more excellence, more service, more sacrifice. He's always worthy of more of your time. He's always worthy of more of your energy, more of your heart. This is who we serve. He's infinitely worthy. 
And so our capabilities, our talents, our gifts, and our giving of ourselves never measures up. And we always find ourselves feeling like we have not given enough. And that's why we get in our own heads about it. That's why we become, this is, this is so ironic, we become self-focused while we're trying to put him first. You know that doesn't work. We become so self-focused trying to give enough of ourselves while we put him first. And it's, it doesn't work that way. And so we start to spin our wheels. What we're really trying to do is place him in the highest place. Set him at the highest seat. Put him first and keep him first. So, as I was out in California, we went to service there on the Sunday morning. At Bethel, I believe it's that they have five services on Sunday morning. And you have to get there early and get in line and wait. I'm talking about like an hour, hour and a half early. If you don't, you just get turned away because their sanctuary is not very big. I mean, it's bigger than this, but it's not like you would think, mega church big. So you have to get there early, and you just wait in line, or you, you'll get turned away and have to come to the next service. So we, we did that. We got in line, and we waited. And it was um, interesting because we'd never been there before, and there's all these things to see. There's a bookstore. There's a coffee shop. There's, um, you know, things on the wall. tells us about their ministries. And I was very interested in all of it, so I'm looking at everything. And I don't mind that we're in line. And then I see this table over in one area. They had this table that is a long table like we have in the fellowship hall when we do dinners. And they had it set up, and they had a reserved sign at the head chair. It said, reserved for Jesus. And there was no one at the table. And I was just so, um, so taken by that table. everything in me wanted to go sit down at that table and just be there and know that symbolically Jesus was in the head seat. And there I felt that I I could give him every part of my life and place him first in my mothering and in my being a wife and in my being... Um, a worship leader in every part of me. I just wanted to go sit down at that table all alone, but knowing that it would mean I would be putting him first. I had that desire, and I couldn't shake it. Of course, I didn't do it because I didn't know what they were going to use that table for, but I didn't do it, but I couldn't get rid of that. As we went on through the day, I could not get rid of that image and the thoughts of what I would do and how it would feel if I sat at that table. I just felt like I'd be able to um, just be able to give it all to him if I even just sat there. I didn't even feel like I would have to say anything. Like I'd just be there and he'd be the head of all of me. And I knew that I wanted that and I never wanted him to leave the head table of my life. Don't you feel that way? I do. And so, um, as I was just churning that around in my, my spirit, and even like later on the plane and everything, I'm just thinking about that table. And I said, I finally prayed. Um, I said, Lord, what is it about that table? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Are we supposed to come back to Winchester and set up a table and 
Maybe we'll have the department heads come and sit at the table and give their department. I'm like thinking, you know, what, what are we going to do with that table? Because that's in me now. And I knew it meant something. But then I started feeling a little bit of dread, a little bit anxious for all you Wednesday night anxious class people. I started feeling a little bit anxious saying, well, if I put Jesus at the head of every part of my life, I wonder how long before I'm going to mess something up and he won't be at the head anymore. Like, I'll, I'll drop the ball. I'll be late. I'll, I'll miss something. I'll not pray one day. I won't read one week. I mean, I'll mess it up. I know I will. And he won't be at the head anymore. And I began to have that anxious feeling because I wanted God at the head of my table. So I said, Lord, what is it about that table? And he said to me, who sits at the head of the table? I said, you do. Silence. End of conversation. No more. I keep going. We keep traveling. It keeps churning. I went back to him. I said, Lord, there's something about that table I need to know. I'm missing something. What's going on at the table? He said to me, who sits at the head of the table? I said, Lord, you do. You are the head of my life. You're everything to me. I want you to be the head of all of me. I don't ever want you to vacate that spot in my life. Lord, you sit at the head of my table. But God, what if I mess up? And he said to me, very slowly, so I would listen. And so I wouldn't assume the answer. He said to me, Why do I sit at the head? Who sits at the head of a table? Who sits at the head of a table? I said, The host. The host sits at the head of the table. Oh, my Lord, you're the host. Oh, dear Jesus, it's your table, not mine. Oh, I get it. I get it. Lord, it's your table. I was blown away. I had spun my mind, my wheels just turning, turning, turning. How am I going to get him sitting at the head of my table? How am I going to keep him sitting at the head of my table? What am I going to do? What am I going to do if I mess up? And he said to me, who sits at the head of the table? The host sits at the head of the table. And immediately, immediately, the 23rd Psalm came to my mind. Verse 5 says, Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I said, Oh, Lord God, it's your table. It's been your table all along, and I'm over here trying to set it. And I'm over here trying to take care of your table, but he's the host of the table. He prepares the table before me. Let me show you what happens. We set our, t we, we come to the table and see it's reserved right here. This spot is reserved. But because it's his table, he sits at the head all the time. He does not move. If I mess up, does he scoot over here and become number two at the table? No. It's his table. He remains at the head. He always remains. 
And so what he does is, yes, there's reserved signs, but they're for me and for you. Jesus Christ, Father God, sitting at the head of the table. All the time, he remains and he waits. Do you know that we serve a king who waits? Kings don't wait on people, but our king waits at the head of a table. If your chair remains vacant, he still waits at the head. It's reserved for you and you only. There's a seat at the table that is only for you. If you don't go there, he will not put another person in it. It will remain empty. This king will wait for you. But he will not abdicate. He will not shrink back. He never will quit being king. He never will leave his place. He remains the king of kings. He remains the Lord of all the earth. He remains the king of heaven and earth. And he sits at the head. Amen. And you have a place at this table. Aren't you glad this morning? Yes. I was so blown away and so relieved to know it was his table. See, this is why Martha got it wrong and Mary got it right. Mary went and sat down at the feet of the bread of life. And Martha went in the kitchen to bake some bread for the bread of life because she thought she had to. He has not called us to set the table. He has called us to sit at the table. And so that is what, if we can turn it around, you see the enemy messes with us on this. He gives us a works mentality. He gives us pressure that we aren't doing enough. We could never do enough. And he is right about that. You could never do enough. But you don't have to. You don't have to. It's the king's table. And you do have a seat there. He said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. You see, he's the host who serves you at the table. He's the host who has already set the table. The word for prepare there is arak. I don't know. It's probably not that. But it's arak. It means to arrange or set the table, to put or lay in order. He doesn't just throw stuff on the table. He puts everything in order. He sets it in array for battle. We'll get to that. He fully furnishes the table. There is nothing not at the table that you need. Everything you need is there. He sets it forth. If it's a legal case, he sets forth the legal documents at the table. He compares the table to the enemy, to the the task at hand. He makes sure the table is meat for the task. Right? You see, you don't serve soup at your table and not put spoons on the table or bowls on the table. Our God does not look at the battle that we are facing and set a whole different table that we don't even need. He knows what you're facing and He sets the table. And He sets it in a way that it meets the need. It meets the, the task at hand. It is not unequal to the threat of your enemy. Your table is not unequal. It's not under, what would the word be? It's not under furnished. It's fully furnished for whatever the task is at hand. And so, this is our God. He has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now wait. 
That whole chapter, Psalm 23, it's the most comforting. We've used it for comfort more than any other scripture because he talks about leading us beside still waters and making us lay down in green pastures and restoring our soul. Oh, it's so comforting to read the 23rd Psalm. But what happens here when he says, I've set a table before you in the presence of your enemies? My thought was, Lord, why? What you set it in the presence of my enemies for? What about that still water spot over there? What about that green pasture? That would be a good place for a picnic table, right? That would be a good place to eat. But he said, no, I've set it in the presence of your enemies. Is he doing that because he just wants to make the enemy watch you eat? Not entirely. I mean, it sounds good. And I like it sometimes when, you know, I think God just gives it to the devil. You know, I like that thought. But what's happening here is that Psalm 23 is about a comforting God. But it is also about a strategic God. When we enter into verse 5, we're not talking about hospitality anymore. We're not talking about comfort anymore. We're talking about a strategic battle plan that God has. He has set a table fit for battle. He has set the table. It means to set it in array. Have you heard that phrase before? Set it in array. If you'll read the Old Testament, you'll find time after time after time that this, the Word says that they set the army in array. They set the battle in array. And then they go out to fight. Right? This is a battle term. This is a war term right here. And it's used over and over again in the Old Testament when they're getting ready to go and fight their enemies that they set it in array first. They put exactly in order who needs to go first, who's going to bring up the rear. They... They are strategic, and our God is strategic. He has gone before us. He knows the enemy well, and he sets the table well so that we can defeat the enemy. And he sets it in the presence of our enemies. I said, Lord, why? Why in the presence of my enemies? The, the word there meant that it's in front of me, it's, it's behind me. My table is all around me. Only through God can that happen. But the reason it is is because... When I'm fighting an enemy, I get my eyes on him. I get my ears on him. I hear everything he says. I know everything he's doing. And that's all I see. And sometimes that's all I hear. But God said, don't look at the enemy. There, if you'll look, if you'll look, there's a table. You're facing something. It's real. And, and God's not trivializing it. But there's a table set. It's like battle table. Need Provision. It's right there. God said, just don't keep looking at the enemy. Look for the table. Look for it. You'll find that it is set right there in the presence somewhere of your enemies. Now, let me give you something totally mind-blowing to me. Your enemy in this scripture is not even, it's not a person. We all know that. And we, If I say it's not a person, you'll say, of course not. It's the devil. Right? In this scripture, my enemies is not even a noun. I have any English people in here. It's not even a noun. Your enemy is not an object. It is it's a Hebrew verb. This word for my enemies is a verb. It's an action that describes the action or reaction, the effect that is being brought upon you by the enemy, by the, the battle. That's actually what he sets the table in the presence of. 
you know that fear that you're feeling? You know that depression that's happening? All that anxiety that's happening? There's a table set in the middle of it. There's a table. Because the word means the word means the binding, the narrowing, the distressing, the besiegement, the cramping, the tying up, the shutting up, the pressing, the vexing, the harassing, the draining, the shaming, all of it. All of it. That's your enemy. It's not the person. It's not the bill that you can't pay. It's none of that. It's what it does. It's what it says to you on your inside. It's how it makes you feel like, I am done, I am out. I can't go on. I can't get up. It's all of that pressing against you. That is the enemy. And there's a table set right in the middle of it. And it is a fully furnished, fully prepared table. If it's a fight that your enemy needs or wants, the table has got what you need to fight. It's got your weaponry on the table. If it's a legal thing, it's got the legal documentation on the table. Whatever it is, whatever it is, thank God for a fully prepared table. And when you get there, what happens? The response of the good shepherd, the response of the one sitting at the head of the table is he anoints your head with oil. And he begins to fill up your cup until it runs over. See, that's shepherd care. That's good shepherd care. Amen. You come to the table. You might have just walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But you come to the table. And he begins to anoint your head with oil. I believe it's the oil of gladness. But oil can be healing. Oil can be comforting. It can be a lot of things. And your cup begins to run over. See, that happens at the table. It doesn't happen chasing the enemy through the field. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It happens if you stop with the enemy and you go to the table. you got to change something. you got to change a direction. you got to do something new if you want to get something new, Right? We have this whole buzzword, this whole thing in our culture right now. It's called self-care, and I'm not against self-care. I like self-care. I will take the day and go to the spa. I'll take the day and go to the mall. I'll take the day of the week and go to the beach. It's all self-care, and I like it all. I do, but I can do all that. And if I don't get shepherd care, if I don't get good shepherd care, I've just spent a bunch of money and had a little time out, little me time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I need shepherd care. Amen? It only happens at the table. See, we don't have to worry about sustaining. We don't have to worry about performing. We don't have to worry about all of that that we've been accustomed to. Psalm 34 and 8 says, just, oh, taste and see. Just come to the table. Just come to the table. But I can't. But I, but I have this and I have that and I have to get this fixed and I have to get that fixed and I have to... No, you don't. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the man that trusts in Him. All you got to do is come and taste. Just come and sit at the table. You don't have to get your life in order. He's got it. He's got it ready for you. You just need to trust in Him. Matthew 11 and 28 says, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This scripture um, 
we unpacked a little bit several months ago. We did a, a podcast, and I loved it. Sister Lauren pointed out, all he said was, come to me. He didn't say, do three things and then come to me. He didn't say, get this, this, and this, and then come to me. He just said, come to me. Just come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. We looked it up, and the, the word for heavy laden there meant that you have become heavy laden. You didn't start out heavy laden. This is for you church folks, probably. You didn't start out that way. You started out on fire for Jesus, but you have become heavy laden. Things have gotten piled on. See, that's what happened with the Egyptians. No, the Israelites, the Egyptians began to pile it on. The taskmasters began to pile it on. They began to make them carry more bricks and more bricks and do more in the heat of the day. And this sometimes is what either we take on ourselves or what life gives to us. Do more. Do it better. Do it faster. And we begin to take it on. And we become heavy laden. But he said, just come to me. Just come to the table. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Like, there's rest at the table. There's peace at the table. It's not just if, you're, if you need a sword and you need something to fight a battle. If, if you need rest and peace, if you need to know that you're loved, just come to the table. Just spend time at the table with the king sitting at the head. You're going to find out what he has for you. And what he has for you is whatever it is that you need. And sometimes we don't even know. We don't even know what it is that we need. I'm so glad he does. Aren't you? So glad he knows what I really need. Sometimes I think I know what I need. But he knows what I really need. And he has set a table there's a song that says how can it be there is a table I love it I love that because I'm going along I'm getting burdened I'm getting slow I'm getting all kinds of things going on in me and I don't think there can be a table sometimes sometimes I don't think that there's a table for what I'm facing. I know there's a table for what you're facing. But sometimes I don't know there's a table for what I'm facing. And you're the same way. Because it's easy to sing about it, and it's easy to read about it, and it's easy to say amen about it. But we really need to know, and we really need to trust, that there is a table in the presence of your enemy the presence of my enemy, in the presence of what's pressing me, the thing that's, that's holding me down, the thing that's vexing me, making me toss and turn. There's a table set, and it's for that. It's not for someday. It's not for some other thing. It's not for when I get my life together. It's for that. That thing that's happening right now in me. I love it. Psalm 23 is my new favorite thing. The prepared table is my new favorite thing. 
and working for Jesus, that's just bonus. Things I get to do for him, I just get to do for him. I don't have to do for him so he'll love me. I don't have to do for him so that he'll be the king of my life. He is the king of my life. And I just get to sit at the seat. I just need to remember that there's a seat. That if I don't feel, nobody feels. Amen? This is a short sermon. Because, and honestly, the reason it's short is because there's so much to it. There's so much to dig out of it, I can't. I'm not done yet. I'm not done with this yet. And I don't think I'm ever going to be over the table. I don't think I'll ever get past that table that I saw. It said reserved for Jesus. And then he showed me he's always there. And actually, it's reserved for me. And actually, it's reserved for you. This morning, if you have something in your life that's vexing, pressing, speaking doubt to you, depressing, trying to shut you up, sit you down, take you out. I'm an English nut, so I'm just standing here thinking, the devil works in a lot of prepositions, doesn't he? Take them out, set them down, shut them up. <laughs> All kinds of prepositions. Um, that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> but he tries, he does those things because why? Because they speak to us about us. They say you can't when God says you can. Amen. They say you won't, but God says you will. If, if you let me do it through you, you can do it. Amen. If you have something like that in your life, if you'll bow your head this morning, all of us are bowing our heads. And I don't know about you, but I still just want to go sit at that table. Even more now, even more now that I know that that seat has a reserved sign for me. What if you don't know him? What if you haven't said yes to him? There's still a reserved sign at a seat at the king's table. It has your name on it. If you don't sit there, no one will. And the king who is a good shepherd will wait. And he'll call and he'll keep preparing the table as he watches you journey and he watches you hurt and he watches you not know what to do. He keeps putting things on the table. He keeps putting things on the table and it's what you need. It's everything you need. It's not everything you've thought you needed all the time that you've been running around in the world trying to get it all together. And you think, if this person will just make it right with me, or if, if this thing will just happen, if I ever just get this job, or if I ever can just get it just so, then I'm going to be all right. But 
It's not that. It's not that. It's not what you need. What you need is at the table. It's an amazing table. It's a supernatural table. And if you'll just go sit at it. Just go sit at it. And behold the king. Just look at the king. And watch as he begins to anoint your head with oil. And he begins to pour something in your cup. He begins to pour something in your cup that will cause you to overflow. Overflow is when you have enough. And then when you're full, and, but you've still got more. He'll cause your cup to overflow. He'll cause you to have enough. And then he'll cause you to be full. And he'll cause you to still have more. Because that's who he is. Amen. Father, we come to your table today. If you're here this morning and you want to sit at the table because you haven't known him yet, I know Pastor Mike has already given that altar call, but you're still welcome. You're still welcome. There is a table for all who will come. There is a table for all who will come. See, you can go as often as you will. Amen. There is a table. There is a table. Lord, we come. This morning we come. Whether you're hurting, whether you're broken, whether you're in a battle, or whether you don't know him yet, I invite you to just pull up to the table this morning. That's the song. That's it. Amen. I do want to ask, if you don't know him and you want to know him, would you raise your hand? If this is your time, if you've decided this is your table, and that's your seat, and you're going to go, just raise your hand. It can be your time today. Amen. Nate, will you sing it? If you need prayer, you can come forward. Yes, it is. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Come on right now. Come back to living. I feel my heart beating again. It feels so good to know you are. 
incidents. Come on. Lord, you're closer than my skin. where the dead things they come back to living I feel my heart beating yes here's where the dead things come back to living I feel I feel my heart beating again here's where the dead things Come back to living. I feel my heart beating again. Lord, it feels so good to know you are my friend. Yes, you are, Jesus. Thank you for this table, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the seat at the table. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a need this morning, you're welcome to come. The pastors will meet you here and pray with you. If you don't know him, don't forget that there's a seat with your name on it. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.